The first epistle of Peter, chapter 5. We're going to read God's word beginning at verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. It is the word of the Lord, and we rejoice to be able to hear the infallible book in our gathering today, and we trust that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word to our souls for his name's sake. We want to take as our text the first two verses of the chapter. We're going to refer to other parts of the chapter as well. But the first two verses especially. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Let us take a moment to seek the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing 
on the proclamation of his word. Our Father in heaven, we rejoice to hear thy word today. We pray now that thou wilt take up thy word, that thou hast inspired that word that is infallible. We pray, O Lord, that thou wilt use it in our hearts today. We ask, O Lord, that thou wilt order it especially to prepare our hearts to come to the table of the Lord. O Father, we wait upon thee today. We beseech thee that thou wilt draw near to us and enable us to draw near unto thee. So may thy spirit descend now and quicken every soul and empower me for the preaching of the word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter's career as a gospel minister carried the impact of his denial the night before Christ's crucifixion that he had any knowledge of Christ. He had been with him for three years, but as Christ predicted, he would deny that he had any knowledge of him. When Peter realized that Christ's prophetic words came to pass, Peter wept bitterly. And it is certain that for the rest of his life, he pondered some aspect of that situation. Yet God's grace proved sufficient for Peter even in that circumstance, that even in his denial of Christ, he was not lost forever. Christ commissioned Peter as an apostle and empowered him to proclaim the riches of Christ in the gospel. But wherever Peter went, he carried with him that which he mentioned in these verses, the memory of what he saw in Gethsemane and in the subsequent persecution of our Lord at Gabbatha and on Golgotha. Peter and James said to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 that they could do nothing else except speak the things that they saw and heard. As the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write this epistle, the memory of what he saw and heard became more vivid. He described himself in these verses, as a witness, an eyewitness at some points to the Lord's agony, both before and during the time that our Lord was on the cross. In the words of our text, Peter set the Lord Jesus Christ before the believers in Christ as the author and finisher of the faith. He exhorted his readers on that basis concerning 
the conduct of their lives. And in particular, the inspired apostle exhorted the elders of the churches about their sacred responsibilities. He argued in this epistle that the sufferings of Christ provided an empowering example of service to Christ. That is, the elders could not treat the Lord's sheep in a way that was not consistent with the reality that Christ suffered for them on the cross. Whenever I come to this theme in 1 Peter... I can't help but remember a series of messages. I didn't hear all of them live, but a series of messages that the late Dr. Alan Cairns preached in Greenville many years ago on this epistle. And I remember especially, because I did hear these messages live on chapter 5, I remember especially the emphasis that Dr. Cairns gave on the theme of the sufferings of Christ throughout this epistle. Peter's argument is that the knowledge of what Christ suffered must compel his people to order their lives in humility. And I still remember vividly the emphasis that Dr. Cairns gave in verse 5 of the epistle about being clothed with humility and how he expounded it to help us understand that the language meant put on the slave's apron, be clothed with humility. The inspired apostle presented a theme that was an incentive for the service of the elders and for the service of each of the Lord's people. Peter's theme, on which I propose to speak for a few moments today, is suffering's glad devotion. Suffering's glad devotion. We are coming to the Lord's table today. <clears throat> coming as we have often done, to obey the instruction of our Savior to remember him in the breaking of bread and in the drinking of the cup, remembering the breaking of our Lord's body and the shedding of his blood. When we study the first epistle of Peter, we must Take to heart the idea that the sufferings of Christ were never far from his mind. And as you come to the Lord's table today, and as we prepare to do so today, you, as Peter, are a witness. Not an eyewitness, perhaps, but a witness of what our Lord suffered on the cross. There are three ways in which every believer partakes of the elements of the Lord's Supper. First is as a holy 
testifier. Holy testifier. And in that connection, it is striking that Peter referred to himself here as an elder. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. Now, Peter was an apostle, an apostle whom Christ commissioned for his ministry. But in this text, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he used the designation of his ministry as an elder. In the original language, a presbyter. That is Peter's emphasis here in writing to these people was that he was a servant of the Lord in the church. He was an under-shepherd. So he underscored his point that he was not an innovator. He was not an inventor of a new message. He was coming to them to proclaim the message that Christ commissioned him to proclaim. He was coming to be a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And in that witness, and here's the thing that always encourages me, he testified to what he knew was true. Now the devil's very clever. And the devil is able to bring doubt into our minds. And we wonder sometimes if what we have been told all these years is indeed true. Well, if that ever is your lot, then come back to what Peter knew was true. He had seen the sufferings of Christ with his own eyes. The word for witness here in our text is the word martus, which you can probably hear as the root of the word martyr. Here's what it meant to be a witness. He was a witness of the sufferings of Christ, all that our Lord suffered. The agony that took place in Gethsemane when Peter and James and John went with the Lord at his command. And when they heard the command to watch and to pray, and then they fell asleep while Jesus swept, as it were, great drops of blood. Peter was a witness to those sufferings and he was a witness to what took place on the cross. He was there much of the time. He testified concerning those things. But Peter's testimony went beyond those realities that he witnessed as they unfolded. Peter was faithful to other commands. And let us turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. The Gospel of John, chapter 21, and verse 15. I spoke about the denial 
that Peter made concerning his knowledge of Christ. Here's the aftermath of the resurrection and the meeting of Jesus with his disciples at the Sea of Galilee. In verse 15 we read, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdedst thyself and walkedst whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Here was Peter in an intense conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving the command of Christ. Simon, if you love me, feed my sheep. And the feeding of the sheep was to be with the message of that which Peter witnessed, the sufferings of Christ. Afterward, and no longer under the control of the fear that gripped him, on the night in which he denied the Lord, Peter acted by faith and power. You read the accounts of Peter in the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, and it is an astonishing transformation. He knew the reality of the forgiveness of sins. He knew the reality of the sanctifying power of the Spirit of God in his heart. And it was that he had witnessed The sufferings of Christ. And he testified of those sufferings. 
He spoke by the Spirit's power. And today, we come to the Lord's Supper again. And it is so easy for us to go through the motions because we know them well and have carried them out many times. But we come as believers to the Lord's table today. And we come to give testimony ourselves to the sufferings of Christ. We come as those who hear the commands of Peter again. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. When we come to the Lord's table, we receive a fresh lesson in humility. But there is a second aspect of our message that prepares us for the Lord's table. He was not only a holy testifier, but he was a happy beneficiary. A happy beneficiary. And here we come to the part of our text that deals with what Peter wrote about having fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. Notice what he says here, that he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. It is a striking statement. That is, he knew what it was to enter into fellowship in those sufferings But he also knew what it was, and here was his message to the believers in Christ. He knew what it was to be a partaker of the glory that was yet to be revealed in its fullness. Each of the last two Saturdays, we have joined by live stream funeral services for two men with whom I went to college, who are now with the Lord. They have entered into the experience of that glory. But Peter was saying that he was a partaker not only of that glory that was going to be revealed in the time to come, but he was a partaker of it now in this life. He was in fellowship. He was a beneficiary of that which Christ accomplished on the cross. And when we come to the Lord's table today, we come as beneficiaries. We come to remember that which Christ did for our souls and to rejoice in it. And we know that as surely as we come as holy testifiers to partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper, so surely we know that as we partake, here is the pledge that Christ has made to us, that where he is, 
there we shall be also. Peter understood that Christ's ascension meant that the Savior returned to that glory from which he departed at the time of the Incarnation. But Peter also knew that as much as we can guess at that glory now, it will not be until the day of the resurrection of Christ's people that we will know the fullness of that glory, the glory that shall be revealed. It's going to be revealed. That's the message of Peter. And when we come to partake of these elements and to take them into our mouths, as we meditate upon the broken body and the shed blood of Christ, as we take those elements into our mouths, we do so with the meditation of the glory that's going to be revealed. The message of the Lord's table is that we are part of this fellowship of that glory. The glory that followed the sufferings of Christ. If you look just across the page, or if you look back to 1 Peter chapter 1, and to verse 12, we find the apostles speaking about the prophets. In verse 11, they signified The Spirit of Christ in the prophets signified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into." The emphasis there on the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Christ has suffered. That's the message of the Lord's table to us today. Christ has suffered. And what does that signify for us as we partake of the elements? It is that there is glory that's going to follow. That glory has begun to be revealed now in our souls, now in this life, now in the humble fellowship of the saints of God. But that glory is yet to be revealed in its fullness. That's the forward look, as I've often said, of the Lord's table. It is until He comes. There's going to come a day when all that we have professed to believe by faith will be translated into sight. And that brings me to the third aspect of our text today. He was not only a happy beneficiary, but a humble laborer. Here was the consequence to Peter of the sufferings of Christ and of the devotion to which the Lord's table calls Christ's people and the elders especially. The elders receive the focus of the exhortation here. 
Verse 1, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then comes the instruction for the elders to feed the flock of God, to shepherd the flock of God, not as lords over them, but as ensamples to the flock. But it is not just to the elders that the word goes, but in verse 5, to all of those, to the younger, that is those who are not the elders, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Here's a lesson for us all, that we are called to submit ourselves unto those whom God has called to be elders in his church. Submit yourselves unto the elder, and all of you be subject one to another. So the church is not a place for anyone to insist on his agenda and to lord it over others. When we come to the Lord's table, we are all on the same level. We are all humble beneficiaries. And humble servants, laborers in the kingdom of Christ. The elders are called to tend the flock of God. Now that's principally the responsibility of the elders, absolutely. But the context indicates that here's a concern that rests on all the Lord's people. If you want to know how to pray for the elders, pray that the Lord will help them to carry out their responsibilities to tend the flock of God. The emphasis here is doing the work of a shepherd. Not out of obligation or duty. Not, as he says in verse 2, not by constraint, not as though someone was forcing it, but willingly, but of a ready mind, The ready mind speaks of delight in serving the Savior who suffered so much for his people. Here is suffering's glad devotion. Peter said he had seen it exemplified in Jesus Christ. It was the ultimate act of service that Jesus gave in his life, when he laid down his life for his people. And that is to be the spirit that governs the people of God, especially as they assemble at the Lord's table. May the Lord give us grace to remember the sufferings of Christ. May the Lord give us grace to put on the slave's apron, as our brother put it so many years ago. May he give us grace to humble ourselves in the sight of God. I trust that the Lord will bless his word and use it to encourage our hearts today as we gather together around this table. Let us bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we rejoice today in thy goodness and mercy.
to bring us again to this remembrance of Christ. And we confess, O Lord, that even after all that we have said, we haven't even really scratched the surface. But give us grace to humble ourselves today. Give us grace to partake by faith, to partake worthily of the elements of the Lord's Supper. O Lord, we look unto thee. We pray that thou wilt govern us now in this time as we fellowship together and partake of the glory that shall be revealed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.